Have you been thinking about starting a podcast but aren't sure where to start? I have to tell you about Anchor. It's a free creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Not only that, but with literally one click, they distribute your podcast to platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more so you can reach more listeners. They make it so easy. It was a no-brainer for us. Try it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work because business is personal. And now, today's story. Will you just kind of tell our listeners who you are? My name is Mark Kinsley. First of all, thanks for having me. It's great yeah, to be here with the people-centric team. It's a, a team that smiles. If you're listening, I guess, on a podcast, you can't yeah. see that. But I love a team that smiles because you can tell a team that smiles has a lot of fun. And they care about each other. And they probably care about the world. And it looks like you all do. <laughs> Especially if you're people-centric. That kind of makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so my name is Mark Kinsley. And I'm the president and CEO of Englander Mattress Company. We've been around since 1894, not me, just the company. And we make mattresses for your mom because you want your mom to be comfortable and you never want her to have any trouble with her mattress. So that's kind of our philosophy. Obviously, if you're not a mom, if you're a dad or you're just a human being, our mattresses are going to be great for you. Um, we have 11 factories across the US and we have licensees in 25 countries. And it's a, an amazing global tight-knit community of people that we get together frequently to talk about how we're all in the same storm, but we're in different boats. And I host a podcast. It is, I know you guys are going to like want autographs, but we can't do that right now. It is the galaxy's greatest mattress podcast. Wow. So, That's impressive. I know we're, we're here with Diana, who is royalty. And I know you <laughs> might think that we are royalty in mattress podcasting. Mm -hmm. uh, we're mm -hmm. all about creating a category of one. So we are the, pretty much the only mattress podcast also. Uh, <laughs> but we've done about 200 episodes and we've had guests arranging from the owner of a baseball team that wears a yellow tuxedo every day, Jesse Cole from the Savannah Bananas to astronaut Chris Cassidy, who was also the chief astronaut and the 500th person in space. And then, of course, we've had many, many people from within the mattress industry, uh, which is filled with amazing, colorful characters. Everybody like James Perez from South Texas to Harry Roberts, the founder of Mattress Firm, which was the first coast-to-coast -coast mattress sleep shop in the country. And so we love doing the podcast because it allows us to concentrate and connect with uh, the people that make our industry full of flavor and fun. That's cool. Who, who are your listeners, Mark? Uh, mom. Um, my mom listens. That's good. Uh, I think <laughs> my dad you. might listen part of the time. And yeah, so we, we kind of joke about that. No, we are a, obviously a very niche audience. Yeah. Um, and they are mattress retailers, independent mattress shops, furniture store owners, people in the mattress industry that supply everything from mattresses to components like springs and foam and ticking, which is the fabric that goes on top. Yeah. And so it's about a $16 billion industry. And it's one that's, that's growing. And so we, we're, we're almost like a campfire is how we think about it, the podcast. You gather around the campfire to tell stories and grow your connections and 
have some beer, have a few laughs and walk away more connected and better than you were before. And so that's what the, the, the podcast has kind of become. It's like we, you know, every once in a while, some, somebody new comes around the campfire and we get to tell their story and we hopefully are more connected whenever we walk away. I think it's awesome. You always find the best inspirations and insights in unexpected places, right? You get, you just you create moments where you can get around the table and the, around the campfire, as you said, and, and talk through things. Yeah. Well, and tell us the name of your podcast again. It is called Dos Marcos because it is hosted by two guys named Mark. So Mark and Mark naturally mm-hmm. together are Dos Marcos or is Dos Marcos. Yes. And so it's the Dos Marcos show. And we were up at mattresspodcast.com. And uh, we just recently launched something new, which is called The Fam. And so that's at fam.news. But we, strangely enough, we had our 100th episode. And so throughout that 100 episodes, we had people coming to us asking if they could sponsor the show. And, you know, we really started the podcast so that we could nudge our industry in a direction that we wanted it to go. And to have a voice with retailers who were carrying our products and a closer connection to them. And, and to be able to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, hey, we, we think you're really cool and you've got an amazing story. We want to talk to you. So it was an amazing platform to do that. But along the way, we brought many stories to life. And in our industry, we found that whether you provide componentry or technology or whatever it might be to the retailer, people were trying to get their story brought to life. And so on our 100th episode, we brought on our first sponsor. We very quickly ran out of space and we didn't want to have a sponsor like every 10 seconds. And so we've zoomed out and we decided to launch the fam, which stands for all things mattress. So I, so for all things mattress is the fam. And we, we like that brand and that name because we are very inclusive and it had emotion and meaning and community built into the name because what's more closely connected than your family. So, you know, we, I love audio because, you know, I'm an old radio guy. So I did a daily talk radio show for four years back in the day. Now that was after I was a classic rock DJ. Okay. Overnight guy. I didn't know this about you, Mark. I really didn't. I was the midnight to five guy. Yeah. That's cool. I walked in the first night and this like old crusty DJ goes, Hey man, how's your voice? I'm like, I don't know. I like, I've never done this. (laughs) He goes here and he takes out cigarettes out of his pocket and he hands them to me. He says, here, smoke these. And, and there's coffee in there and drink coffee. And then it'll smooth out your voice. And I'm like, okay. So I'm over there like smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee all night. That didn't last long. <laughs> no, <laughs> That's a Great story. That's awesome. All that to bring it full circle. I love audio and I've been doing audio stuff for a long time. And it's really the medium of the modern age, which is you can listen to something and do other things, whether it's commute or go for a run in the woods, you know, whatever you're doing, you can kind of have that playing in the background. And so we decided for the fam, let's do audio stories with every story. And so we've done that. And, uh, you know, the official launch March 15th. And so super excited about that. Cause we can, again, bring some more stories to life. Hopefully. That's awesome. I love that. Well, we'll have to link to everything. So you'll send us, send us all the links and we'll make sure we put them in. You, you could yeah. say, Bethany, we could embed that on our website. Ooh. Hey. Okay. Stick around, Mark. It only gets better. It just gets you. Never heard never that ends. One, I'm yeah. almost ashamed of myself for not having thought of it. I mean, this is, oh. this is like the pun train. Get ready. For we it. have a strong pun game at People Center. So. 
I don't claim to be good at this game, but it, I feel like the rest of the team is great. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome though. I love that. So you also wrote a book and okay, really quick though, to, to go back to the, your other uh, co-host of your podcast, his name is Mark Quinn, right? Mm-hmm. So tell it, tell us who he is really quick, because I think, is he also part of the book that you wrote? Yeah, he's not only, uh, I'm not only fortunate enough to be his co-host, but we are co-authors of the book, Come Back to Bed. So yeah, Mark and I wrote this book together and it published back in December. And it really was a book that was designed to help with the number one challenge facing independent retailers in the furniture and mattress space. And it's driving foot traffic. It's consistently an issue. How do we get people to come into our store? Cool. We, have, we see between Mark and I, we see thousands of retail doors for our products. And so we get to interface with a lot of different um, retailers. And if you're stuck in your, your town in Birmingham, you know, if you're in Birmingham, Alabama, selling mattresses, you might not see the bigger perspective that we see. So we're able to really curate and kind of gather up ideas, almost like guides that are going through the mattress universe, just gathering up all these little anecdotes and ideas. And that really was the genesis of the book. It was helping solve that pain point. And then the people that were nice enough to contribute, we took it, we put it all into the book, we themed it up, we turned it into some you know, easy, actionable ideas. But then as we were writing it, we're like, wow, we've got all, this, all these ideas about how to drive foot traffic. And there are lots of different levers you can pull. So why don't people do this? Like what's gonna keep them from doing this? And we realized that, and this is through some like consulting we've done, people a lot of times don't know who they are and they don't know what they believe and they don't know what their brand is and they don't know how to build a brand. And so we decided to write, you know, a big section of the book about how to develop a position in your marketplace and how to go from this concept of what a brand is to mission, vision, values, culture, brand, positioning, identity, and then how that messages out into the world. And so it's not an, I mean, it's a fun book to read. I, I've heard people say, but it's not a do this and you're going to be successful book. It's, it's full of hard work, but we know it actually can have a huge impact on your business. I worked with a guy named George Samaras and he owns Portland mattress makers up in Portland, Maine, not Oregon. Okay. So George called me and, and he was a customer And so by virtue of him being a customer, um, he had a retail operation also. I got to go and work with him. And he was facing this exact issue. So I flew out to Portland and I'm sitting there talking to George. I'm like, tell me about your business. What's going on? And we went through this like days and days of talking and questions and all this. And he was trying to figure out how he competed. Like, how do you compete whenever you have lower prices coming in? And I'm, I'm always saying, look, if you play somebody else's game, they're going to be better at it than you. So you can't play the game of the price people. But what we did, we learned that his customer was a mid fifties female, highly educated and really was crazy about buying local. And a lot of people say, Oh, I want to buy local, buy local. And and, in a lot of communities, they don't actually want to buy local. I sat there and watched it and people came in time and time again. And we kind of, you know, had this, archetype of a person in mind, sure enough, here she comes time and time again. Well, I, you know, I live here and like, I really like to support local companies. And she says, where do you make your mattresses? 
And George goes right, right there on the other side of that wall. Like you can barely see through that window. So she leaves. I go, George, can we knock down that wall and put in like glass garage doors immediately? So we go through all this and we, we go through the mission, vision, values, the culture, and then we get to the brand piece. And George was really interested, like, how does, what does this look like? Like, what does it look like in the end? And I said, George, you have to figure out a way to communicate your position that's vivid and meaningful. You have to prove some of these brand ideas that you throw out there. So I call it hollow language. So a lot of times when people are like, well, we're family owned, we're, we're local, we're high quality, value, service. All of these words mean nothing to anyone unless you prove it. So people in Portland, Maine really did want to buy local. So I said, George, how do we prove that you are local, your factory? He had the only mattress factory in the state of Maine. And so I said, George, everything that we do from now on is going to be about your factory. Yeah, that's not the only thing that matters, but it proves that you're local. People connect with that. Then they're going to listen to all the other great stuff you have to say. But we needed something vivid that proved that he was local. I did this also with a, with a family up in, uh, up in Ohio that had four stores. Like, I just, I mean, I almost felt bad for them because I, I love them. And they were friends to this day, but I badgered them with this idea of family owned. I go, that doesn't mean, like, what do you mean family? Everybody's got a family. That's not unique. I said, but your family is unique. Everyone's family is unique. If you demonstrate that it is unique. And Ray and Kathy, Ray and Kathy this, is, this is her name, Crane's Mattress. They had this great like way about him. Ray was like a numbers guy. Kathy was kind of out there and fun and having a good time and always giving Ray a hard time. I'm like, you're both going on the radio. I'm going to write your spots for you. And you're going to put this personality into it to show people the heart of your family, the personality behind your family. Coolest thing happened. They quit doing it. They quit doing it because I, I was like, you guys have the playbook, go and, and do well. And so I kind of exited the picture and they quit doing it. Six months later, their daughter, Hannah said, mom, dad, like business is down. Like we need to do that again. How do we do it? She started writing the spots. Radio really worked for their market. She started writing their spots. Ray and Kathy went back on the radio. Business went back up. And they were able to take it. It's the greatest compliment when somebody can take it and actually put it into action on their own. So that, that's kind of a lot of uh, some of the stories and some of the backbone of the book. Um, but really, it applies to, to almost any business. But we wrote it through the vehicle and the flavor of the mattress business. I really like that story because we often talk about you know, being people-centric is being empowering people and aligning people which don't always add up with each, which, with, with each other. So those two things can compete because the individual may not need what the company needs, right? So it's empowering individuals while aligning the team together. Um, when you talk about that, you know, and you're talking about mattress companies. So most of us who are outside the mattress company, it's not an industry that most of us wake up, no pun intended at this time, uh, thinking about every day. But what you're talking about is kind of bringing the customer in on that. Like, like it's, it's, we talk about how it's more than work. You know, it's about people. It's about getting people engaged in it. And you're talking about bringing the customer into that experience as well. Uh, that, that's pretty exciting. That's a cool story. I like that a lot. 
Yeah, thank you very much. I mean, it's it's been fun to have the privilege to be able to go out and gather up some of these stories and to really see that you're talking about people, to see how it's impacted families, to see how it's impacted people um, that are that are trying to help other folks get a good night's sleep. And, and, and that's what it really comes back to. We, we, we talked about this a lot too. If you don't understand the purpose, you're going to flounder. I think a lot of times, I mean, if you really today, I talked to our retail partners a lot and I said, so what's, you know, what's this new generation like, you know, like what's millennial, what's Gen Z like? And they're all saying, gosh, if you get, if you get people purpose, they will just knock it out of the park for you. And so, but if you think about the purpose of what we do, it'll completely flip the script in your head and you'll understand what we can do to impact somebody's life. It's about sleep. Sleep is not the third leg of the health stool. Sleep is the foundation because if you have a good night's sleep, so you got sleep at the base and then you have diet and exercise on top of it. Because if you have a good night's sleep, then you're not going to struggle with eating sweets. If you have a good night's sleep, garanolin and, and leptin, those hormones that tell you to stop eating and you're, you're not hungry anymore, are produced in proper proportion. But if you don't sleep, they don't get produced in proper proportion. So you can only do so much with your diet. Try to perform at a high level on the football field or in a, in a mountain biking race or whatever it is with a bad night's sleep. So sleep is the foundation of everything that we do. And we are at the nexus of that we, we can actually help people get a good night's sleep. And in, in retail, imagine this. Once every decade, you have a chance to talk to somebody about their sleep and put them on a path that could change their lives. You get that shot once every decade. So because people only buy mattresses about once every 10 years. So it should be the highest stakes when someone walks in and the purpose behind what we do needs to be on display. And I'm always trying to get people to understand that because that's emotional and meaningful and that's what can change people's lives. And, and here's the deal today. It's not about transactions. It's about transformations. And here's another one. When people come into a mattress store, they're in a transition. So think about this. You can transact with somebody, take their money, send them off with a mattress. Good luck. Or you can help them transform their lives by starting a relationship and helping them understand how to get better sleep. And it doesn't happen in a day. And when somebody comes in to buy a mattress or furniture, most of the time, they are in a transition in life. Maybe they're moving to a new house. Maybe their daughter went off to college and needs a new bed. Maybe mom is having to move in with them. Maybe they got married. Maybe they got divorced. Maybe somebody died. Those are big transitions that happen. And that's most of the time when people go into a furniture or mattress store. So think about that person and what they're going through. They're going through a lot. And you can be there to help them because what do we want during times of transition? Times of transition produce uncertainty. And we want an assurance of an outcome. We need some certainty. We need a little empathy at that moment. And our industry can do that. And I think if we just pump the brakes for a minute and understood what we can do to impact people's lives, that reputation issue that's been a part of the mattress industry for so long would evaporate. So Mark, let me jump in here too, because it seems like, you know, if, if, if you're a regular listener of the More Than Work podcast, you're jumping on going, 
I'm sorry, what did I just click on now? Because we're talking about things that we don't normally talk about on here, right? And so I know your passion is mattress. We're, we're dealing with um, several other types of businesses. You know, we're, we work with publications and accounting firms and manufacturing companies and hotels and convention centers and city administrations. But really some of the things that I'm pulling out of the things that you're talking about is first of all, understand your why, which is what we talk about quite a bit. I love that you mentioned mission, vision, values and how those are unique maybe to that organization or to the business or to the leader, whenever we work with companies on values, uh, we always, you know, it's easy to create a list of 20 different things that we think are all positive words. That's not the point. If you're not passionate about it and you can't make those things actionable, then they mean nothing. So I like those things that you're, you're talking about there, but you also used a word that we talk about quite a bit, which is culture. I know that people centric has a way that we define culture. How would you Mark Kinsley define, define culture? What are you talking about there? Culture is what you create or what you tolerate. And whenever I used to work in the agency business, that's where I kind of started. I got out of, you know, ripping SIGs and, and uh, doing classic rock DJing overnight and eventually radio and did radio and TV. And then I got into the agency world to try to have some semblance of a life and a normal schedule. And it ended up being great. I loved it. it just, I just took off once I got in that environment. And I remember we did a lot with mission, vision, and values to try and figure out what the brand was, but we skipped over culture for years. And I got to work with this amazing guy named Craig Brace. And Craig had this, basically this system he kind of went through with, with his clients. And I remember he had culture in there and I like picked his brain over and over again. I'm like, Craig, you gotta help me understand this culture piece. What are you talking about? Well, ultimately if you develop a brand or even if you have an idea and your people can't pay it off, it's not going to work. So an evaluation of culture helps you understand, all right, if we're going to be these hip tech savvy forward thinking people and everybody's showing up, you know, in bootcut jeans, pleated khakis, rolling out of bed 10 minutes ahead of time before they can get to work. It's not going to, it's not going to happen. So culture helps you understand what do we need to create? What are we tolerating? And sometimes whenever you go through th this process of understanding who we are and what we stand for and what it all means to us, culture is going to help you figure out what do we need to change? Like, how do we need to, to shift this culture or out of the options we have, what can we actively and actually pay off? What can our culture, because otherwise when people interact with your company, they're going to know it's phony. If yeah. your culture isn't paying it off at every touch point. Yeah. You know, one of the illustrations that, that I use quite a bit, especially, you know, whenever I ask about culture, can you feel a culture? Is there a vibe to a culture? Can, can customers feel it? Imagine you're at a restaurant where there's a server. How long is it before you can identify how, you know, what kind of experience you're about to have? And everywhere, everybody says within seconds. And I, that, that's totally, totally accurate. So I love what you're, you're talking about there is, first of all, we need to understand who we are before we can sell things to other people. And that's all kind of the vibe interwoven into the organization as this word culture. Sometimes it's a tough sell working with leaders across the country going culture. Psh, we need sales. Psh, we need revenue. No, 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 not culture. We need product. We need to enhance the product. And I think we're not defining it well. And so I love some of the things you're talking about is, is, is first of all, understand who we are. What do we do well? Uh, your point earlier about uh, we can't compete at somebody else's game. You know, uh, if, if that's 
that's their niche. If I try to jump into that niche and compete at that and do the same things that they're doing, then they're probably gonna be better than us. We have to identify who we are, what we are passionate about, and then everybody on board and let's go that direction, you know, full steam ahead. But but we there's some background work uh, to what that looks like um, ahead of time. So I guess for your team, how big is your team? I'm asking out of ignorance now. So we're talking about working with these other retailers. How big is your team there that you have um, under you? Well, within the Englander organization, we have uh, more than 100 reps and we have thousands of factory workers and we have 11 factories spread out all over the US. And then we, we work with great, you know, contract partners. And so it's a, it's a, it's a fairly large team. And, you know, we were pegged at about $112 million in annual revenue. And so, you know, we have a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was brought on in 2019, whenever Kevin Toman, the former president CEO was ready to retire. And they wanted me to pull Englander into the 21st century, two decades late. Right. Kicking and screaming. So we've gone through a massive overhaul where we had to evaluate our culture. We had to look at what we're known for, not just, not just our culture. We had to go out and figure out what is the culture of Englander because there are people that have been selling Englander, Englander longer than I've known about it. <laughs> so I, went, I wanted to talk to them and figure out what do your customers say? What do your employees say? And so that culture piece really did inform how we did a big refresh for Englander to get us to a much better spot. And, and you know, it, whenever I think about companies trying to figure this out, I also really encourage people to fly their flag really high. And here's, here's a way of thinking about it. Let's say that we're all standing on, on the shore and, and there's a harbor in front of us. And here comes a tall ship. I mean, sailing in. And all of a sudden you see the cannon sticking out of the side. People are gathering. And you see a couple of guys up on board. One of them's got a wooden leg. And he's hoisting up a skull and crossbones Jolly Roger flag. People are standing there wide-eyed. And what happens? Those people probably turn around and run. Like the pirates are here. Unless you're a pirate, then you go get on the ship. So by being unashamed about who you are, what you stand for, and defining it very clearly, your pirates are going to come get on board, whether they're your employees or your customers. Mm -hmm. And really, in a very complicated, over-communicated world, it's really helpful to have people self-select out ahead of time so it's not the right, wrong fit for them. So that's why culture, I think, is so important um, because you're going to attract the right employees. You're going to attract the right customers. You're going to save everybody a lot of time, and you're probably going to have a lot more fun along the way. Let me ask you this follow-up question here, and then somebody else can ask a question then too. So I know that you were, again, we were using examples. I want to, I want to focus on um, Englander itself. So when you're brought on, now you're charged with this mission, which is a lot of business owners are faced with. Now, now you're in charge of this mission to flip the culture, bring the company forward. Um, as a leader, let's just talk about Mark as the leader there of that, of that organization with your leadership team. What are some things that you did to maybe get people on board or maybe some things that you did to identify who wasn't the right fit? I think that's a very real scenario that a lot of business owners face. The first thing I did was I hit the road and I traveled with our sales reps and I went to our factories. I spent time with my board members. 
I spent time with our retailers who have been selling our product. And this went on for months because I knew that I couldn't just come in and start trying to move pieces and parts around. I needed to understand reality. I had to define reality. And a lot of times when you do that, for me anyway, it's really important because if you understand how people view your company and view your people and view your products, you're going to know all these amazing plans that you have, if they're going to work or not. Yeah. And if, and if you can't make it work and you, and you can't get your message and your idea to cascade all the way down to the consumer, then what's, what's the point? So for me, it was a lot of learning. And I think that's, that's been probably one of the, the most rewarding things for me is going out and learning and just gathering up information and figuring out how we can make this work. And really along the way, you know, the best ideas come from, from the people that I talk to. And I was just able to synthesize that into something meaningful. And then at that point, you got to say, you got to have a vision and you got to be able to lay it out and you got to be able to get it done. But yeah. I think if you don't do that legwork on the front end and really understand what's what, you're probably going to be stepping into a minefield. You're also, you're also describing some things that people sometimes as they become that uh, owner or the, the leader, uh, quote unquote, um, this, this is the antithesis of what they feel like they should do, right? I finally made it to the office. Now I get to start making decisions around this place, right? Get to start making some changes. And the first thing that, that you did was let me step outside of this office to seek to understand maybe a little bit better. And I think that's a great, I think that's a great point for a lot of people to hear. Like, um, I finally made it, I guess it's title, but I haven't, uh, you know, I haven't made it anywhere. Like we need to rescope this. And it's hard for me to do that from sitting up here, so to speak. Um, you know, let me get on the ground floor and let, let's, let's actually hear what they're saying and get feedback, not only from customers, but, you know, as people centric would say that the, the people that employers hire are their number one resource of that company. So how do I engage that number one resource and empower and align them with, with my vision um, as the CEO, instead of just handing out creeds that say, this is what we're doing from here on out. Uh, man, how do I engage them and, and bring them on board? And it sounds like you, I, I would venture to say you made great headway by starting there. Um, you know, that was, that was very fruitful for you, I would say. We have, yeah, we definitely have. And it creates, it, it's, it's fun for, it's always, it was always fun for me mm -hmm. if I felt heard. You know, if I had a, a leader in an organization that said, you know, hey, Kinsley, the, you, you know, this is an idea that, that we've taken and we've run with. And so I try to make it a point to circle back with our team members and say, I, I heard what you said, and I here's what we're doing with that idea. And then, then you have alignment, you have buy-in. And, and the cool thing is you get more great ideas because those conversations create more space for people to say, you know what, I, I forgot to tell you about this. And and, and look, for me, it's, it's life. It's not just business. Like this, this is your life. And I want, I want it to be, I want it to be good for people when I interact with them. You know, I don't want to go and shove some idea down somebody's throat. We, we want to make it a positive, healthy environment. We talk about, we talk about different traits of a positive leader or a great leader. And sometimes those words like problem solver or driven or, you know, strategic come to mind. But, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot is, is humility should be in the top three things, uh, top three traits of you as a leader, you know, recognizing I might be the leader by title, but I sure don't have all of the answers. And I recognize we're probably better together. So what can I learn from you? Just like, you know, what you can learn from me, I think is a great mentality. Sounds like you've, you've done a great job with that. A friend of mine um, named Peter Bolton, he's the chief operating officer of Jordan's. It's up in the Boston area. It's an amazing retailer. They have a 3D 
IMAX theater and roller coasters and ropes courses and laser light shows and just this wild spectacle, like Willy Wonka style. And I was talking to Peter uh, for the book and he said, a bigger title just allows you to do more for more people. And he, he lives it out. And I, I really like that thought process. You know, if you get a bigger title, it just allows you to do more for more people. And, and it's a gift if you get to do that. So what are the, what are some of the things And I know I said one last question, three questions ago, but this is my last question now, and then I'll turn it over. But uh, what are some of, what are some of the things now that you've maybe established that you probably, I'm just guessing uh, you're probably not the type of the leader that says, yep, I feel like I've made it. The work is done. Right. So what, what are some of those things that you continue to do with your organization there to maintain it, you know, maintain the culture that you've worked so hard to build? I hesitate to take anything on unless we can be consistent with it over time because the compounding effect of doing something consistently is just so magical and amazing. And when, when you, when you're able to do something consistently, it leads to traction and eventually traction leads to momentum. Momentum is when you don't have to think about it as much. You don't have to work at it as hard. And so we, we try to do things that we can be consistent with. And, you know, that that's everything from the, the alignment with my board and, and how we communicate and how we meet um, to, to the kind of the rhythm of our industry and the shows that we go to and the, the moments that we create at those shows, because that's the time when everybody's together, all my sales team members and different Englander team members are there to the, um, the community that we've created with our Englander global partners, because we're licensed in more than 25 countries. Uh, so we're trying to make sure that, you know, we're still in kind of this revive and refresh stage because we you know, redid the branding of the company and launched our first national line and just did a lot of the, the backend stuff to get our house in order. And so now we're trying to make sure we can be consistent with what we do. And, and cause I want to, I want to make us sustainable. I want it to be a long-term, not short, quick hits. Yeah recognizing the stay in your lane thing that you talked about earlier. Uh, you also, I think, mentioned it on your most recent podcast, you recognize the lane, what is it that we do, and let's stay in our lane and do it very well. Um, I think that that goes a long way. There's always a time to swerve out of your lane, but definitely, um, yeah, if you can find, you know, what you're the best at and do it well. And, and like I said, if, if you can, if you're looking for a competitive advantage, it's always, to me, where can you, you be first? And make sure you're not playing anybody else's game because they're going to be better at it than you. There's a great book um, a friend of mine named Andrew Gross pointed out called The Lanchester Strategy. And in that book, they talk about how if you're the smaller player, you need to find an area of vulnerability that you can go after and be better than the big player. So, for example, in my industry back in the day, it was everybody, they were furniture stores. Everybody was a furniture store. So, this group of gunslingers came up with a mattress only store. Of course, we know what that is today, but that was a surgical approach to taking business away from those furniture stores. But if you're the big guy, you need to feature, make everything a feature that the little guy does. So there are all kinds of ways of competing there. Mark, I have a question. I think that, first of all, you are literally the most passionate person I've ever talked to about mattresses. The things you laid out about mattresses, like we just, my, my wife, and I just bought a mattress in the last year or so. And, and it was, it wasn't the emotional experience that, that you laid out, but I mean, I was thinking about how much it does impact us 
like I didn't think about all of the things that you talked about before. And, you know, I've been on a health journey in the last couple of years and things like that and the sleep. And that, that was a big part of that looking back at it. So, I mean, it, it's absolutely right. I'm also thinking about the factory worker that walks into your factory who's just looking for a job. Uh, they're not walking into that thinking, I, I'm fine. I've made it. Like I'm walking into this mattress factory because it's it's the third, it's the it's the foundation of the health pyramid, and because we're we get to be with families as they transition their lives. And now I've walked in here. I mean, I, I imagine you know they're they're walking in here for kind of a job, like a lot of people do. You know, we talk a lot about how two thirds of employees in the United States are either disengaged or toxic, uh, walking in. So how do you get that passion and that vision that you talked about out to other people? How do you get that out and make that contagious inside of your team and out in the factories and out with your sales reps? It can be tough. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the people are facing a lot of different situations. And as you, you know, go across the socioeconomic span, it's just, it changes all across that. And, and we recognize that. I've got a great little kind of friendship with one of our factory workers in Oklahoma City. And he just hits me up on LinkedIn. And shows me his tape edge job, which is that's that's when you sew the mattress up. He, this this guy is an incredible tape edge operator, and you can tell that he's a light to his coworkers. And I think that's probably the number one thing we can do is just be a light wherever you go. And the positivity that you spread, I think, can be contagious. And whenever you see people um, like this this gentleman in Oklahoma City, um, putting more fuel on that fire so his light shines brighter um and, and when it is tough out there it, it can be hard to be positive and it can be hard to find those bright lights but i think that's the most important thing and, th and that goes back to you know flying your flag really high and making sure that that the more pirates that get on your ship <laughs> you, you know you're you're almost sending a signal that this is who we are this is what we stand for and if you have more people on your ship, then, then those people are going to go out into the world, out into the factories, out into the sales territories, and they're going to be that bright light. And when they come back, you have a sense of community about it. And, and that's always the hope, you know, is that if you band more people together of, of like mind, similar values, that other people are going to see that and take it back and say, hey, I'm either going to get on board or I'm going to get off board. <laughs> I love that for people who are listening, because you think about, you know, well, I don't, most of the people listening to this don't run a company, right? They're not managing their own company, they're not running a company, but they want to know how can you make your workplace better? And I, I think that message, being a light, is a really powerful one, is be, be better in your own job. How do you influence people another day? We often talk about how leadership is really just influence. It's not a management position. It's how we influence other people. And you can be a positive leader or a negative leader. We can have, there's people that lead people the wrong direction. But if you're looking to make a place better, maybe start by doing your job better and finding ways that you can help people within, within your areas. I, I love that message a lot. When somebody dies, I'm going to take a very dark turn for a moment. Uh, but I think it's illustrative. If somebody dies and, and you're alive and they have family members alive, and you call them up and you say, what do you need? They don't know. They don't know what they need. You just do. And when you do, you might get it wrong, but your action is going to reveal an answer. But only by taking action will that be revealed. And so sometimes that's where I, 
I just err on the side of doing sometimes if I don't know if it's unclear because your action will reveal the answer. And so if you're trying to help some, some other people, I mean, obviously, like you said, Don, you got to do your job, like do your job and do it well. Best way to get a good job is do a good job. But then if you can't help other people along the way, most of our jobs many times are just helping other people. You know, how do I help Cindy in accounting, you know, not give her a, a big filthy spreadsheet that she has to dissect and do a bunch of detective work on. Um, that's helpful because that's doing your job. But, but I think a lot of times it is figuring out how do I bring a smile to this person's day along with handing over the spreadsheet? Well, I really appreciate you, Mark, coming on. And I, and I love how you lead. And that's why I wanted you to be on here. Um, because I just know, you know, it's been a while since we've talked, but um, I just know your heart and how you work. And, and I love, you know, the stories that you brought today too of, you know, like Don said, your why is super clear. And that's something that we preach to our clients all the time that you have to know your why um, so that your work is impactful and so that you know why you're going to work every day. And, you know, so it isn't just a J-O-B and all of that. And that's the point of this podcast, right? And so I love, you know, even the conversation, the pirate example is, is great too of, you know, just don't be ashamed about who you are too and creating that clear direction of, this is our identity and this is who we are. And this is the flag that we're flying and this is the direction we're going. So who's on board and who's not. Um, and that's some, that's oftentimes the best thing that you can do for, for not only the organization, but for everybody in it. Um, and for those who now are realizing, Oh, I need to, I need to get on a different ship. This isn't my ship. Um, and so I think that's awesome. So um, thanks so much for just sharing your, your experience and your thoughts and your advice and all of that. So yeah, what's, what is, what's everybody's takeaways from today? I'll, I'll go ahead and start. I, I like, you know, one of my main takeaways is we're talking about mattresses here, which, which maybe relates to, I think it relates to everybody, but maybe speaks to some people more than it speaks to other people. But really what we're doing is we're identifying, you know, what is it about what it is that you're doing in your job right now, in your career, in your path right now that really defines you. Um, and do you do you understand why it is that you're doing what it is that you're doing? Do you understand why you are placed, where you are placed? And uh, do you have an overall picture of, of what vision looks like? I think Mark Mark talked a lot about understanding the, the, the why, but also understanding the vision, be passionate about something um, there and then, and then full steam ahead, right? Understanding which direction you're going and let's go. I love the part about doing uh, too, and you know we can just spin our wheels quite a bit, considering, 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 and and I love the part about just doing. Uh, what is it that you can do today uh, that that makes an impact on you and and those around you? So thanks. That's a good one. Uh, mine is I loved what you said about culture being not just what you create but also what you tolerate. I think that part gets lost a lot of the times, like owners and business leaders create this wonderful vision and mission and core values. And then they forget to tell everybody and to hold everybody to that high standard and that vision. Um, you forget to hold people to the core values and people forget to live that every day when they go to work. And so I love the, not just what you create, but also what you tolerate part of culture. Yeah, I really liked the, the smoking coffee was a big takeaway for me. I didn't I never thought, you know, I've been kind of on a health journey, but I would like the smoother voice for the podcast. So I'm going to try that. I'm going to try, try to start to pick up smoking and Diana, who runs our health insurance internally, is just shaking her head no to me right now. But I mean, that's a good takeaway. I just love, I could just picture the old DJ back 
watching him through the blinds of the next room going, he's doing it. He's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> he's smoking. I can't believe I got him to do that. Look at no, that. It's, back. it's amazy. This is why they don't me uh, speak to, to kids at school anymore. It's like, he's talking about smoking and DJing and yeah. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. No, but my, I, I really like the idea of raise your flag high. Like I like that idea a lot, like as a business, and I guess for the people who do run businesses and run teams out there, like be so stinking clear that what direction you're going, that everybody that wants to go with you is all in on going that direction. And everybody that wants to go in a different direction stays behind. Like that's okay. Uh, you don't have to be mad at the people that stay behind that aren't pirates. Not everybody can be a pirate. Uh, but you know, the people that are, they're going to want to be with you for forever. And the people that aren't, they're going to go find where they're supposed to be. Uh, it, it's a happy ending both ways. So I, I love that point. It's totally strange, but now I do want to create a bunch of pirates. Like that, I just, that's, I love it. Let's, let's have pirates on the team, all pirates. <laughs> I, think it, I think it's interesting, Mark, that you said you were charged with bringing the company 200 years into the future. And your main analogy is a pirate with a wooden leg. That's like 400 years ago. So I don't know if you need to back, you need to rethink that. The pirate ships aren't pulling up on harbors anymore. I don't know how that works, but I just thought that was interesting. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that that's a really good point. If you guys, yeah. this inspires a new analogy, will you share it? And I can just, I will totally credit you all. <laughs> we'll think on it. Sure. You need to go back to that astronaut story somewhere. You know, <laughs> Bring us 200 years in advance. Okay, so there's a pirate ship. Stay with me. <laughs> I was trying to think of something scary that people would like turn away from because it was so extreme. And yeah, and I was, the pirate thing flew out of my head at one point yeah no zombies that's right like that's a little you know i don't know people like zombies still right yeah well maybe maybe it's something like yeah i mean you're not gonna start dancing along with thriller unless you're a zombie right that's right yeah that's even 80s matt yeah 80s no you're closer yeah. you're closer <sighs> And I've seen a lot of non-zombies dance the thriller thing. So like, I don't know. It's, it's shaky That's at true. best. Yeah. Keep working on it, Mark. Let we'll us work. know. <laughs> we'll work on it. I can't remember what page it's on. We have an entire section in here about how to properly conduct a brainstorm. Okay. So yeah. in a brainstorm, there's a couple of rules. You don't select ideas. You're going for volume of ideas and nobody shuts down each other's ideas. It's always yes. And you build on them. And then you have a good sleep because your brain makes connections that can't do in a conscious state. Of course, I'm going to put some sleep in there. And then you come back the next day and you select ideas. So we can all, we can all brainstorm around the new, the new pirate analogy. We'll reconvene later. Yeah. Did, did you take notes on that, Diana? Cause I'd love, I do put out a high volume of ideas and Diana often shoots them down instantly. <laughs> shoots them down. Cause she'll sleep on it and then she'll be like, no, Don, I thought about it and it's not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Don was just like brainstorming, smoking, and drinking coffee. And Diana was like, no, it's. No, yeah. Yeah. Go sleep, yeah. On, it. Go sleep yeah. on it and then come back tomorrow and tell me what you think about it. Not to shut it down quickly or he starts running towards it, right? So I got to be fast on this stuff. <laughs> I'm looking for a lighter right now. I've got one. Fortunately, you can't drive anywhere right now because of the snow. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, Mark, it was great have join, having you join us on the More Than Work podcast. Uh, excited for everybody else to be able to go check out your podcasts and your new yeah. project that's coming out here soon. Bethany? Thanks for listening today. 
The More Than Work podcast is produced by People-Centric Consulting Group, a consulting firm that believes people should be put at the center of every organization. If you have a topic you want our team of experts to address, feel free to contact us at morethanworkpodcast at peopleccg.com. You can also learn more about us by visiting our website at www.peoplecentric.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back next week to give you practical advice that you can use to improve your work. In the meantime, lead well.